song is Alhambra. The band is The Rogue Waves. The album is Nova 65, and the podcast is Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And the host, writer, producer, that's me. I'm Derek M. Cook, and welcome to the show. This week, we are going to another Boris Karloff classic, another Bela Lugosi classic. I'm calling it a classic because I really enjoy this movie. It's a movie from the 1940s. 1940, exactly, to be precise. It's the movie You'll Find Out, starring Karloff, Lugosi, Peter Lorre, and Kay Kaiser. If you don't know who Kay Kaiser is, he was a musician, a big band composer, had his very successful radio show, and did a number of films as well. This is only the second movie that he did. Unfortunately, it's the only genre film that he did, and I say it's genre just because Karloff, Lugosi, and... Peter Laurie are in the film. It's a lot of fun. And the conversation is with a brand new voice here to Monster Kid Radio, but he's an old friend because he's been listening to the show for quite some time. Artist Jeremy Lamastus will be joining us this week to talk about this film. And he actually picked this movie. We're going to talk about that, how he picked it. We're going to play a round of the classic five with him. We're going to talk a little bit about the Boris versus Bela thing and just talk about monster movies because that's what monster kids do i hope you enjoy the conversation i was really happy to talk to somebody who i know who's been along for the ride with monster kid radio for quite some time it's good to finally hear his voice and have some back and forth about you know one of my favorite underrated monster movies is it a monster movie uh well maybe not maybe one of my favorite underrated legosi film you know what we're going to talk about that that's not all that's happening in this episode though we have the return of Monster Kid Radio's 200 Years of Frankenstein. And I actually kind of cheated a little bit because I recorded this very morning with Ron Adams, the man behind Monster Bash. We'll talk about Monster Bash here in a little bit. And during that conversation, I just innocently asked him about the Universal Frankenstein movies, and he gave me an answer that I really enjoyed. And I thought, you know what? That's going to be this week's 200 Years of Frankenstein installment. So stay tuned for that. Plus... We have feedback. We have an email that my wife Brenda is going to join me and read on the show, and she and I should chat a little bit about that. But we also have a voicemail. Why don't we go ahead and play that now? Hey, Derek. It's Chris Franklin from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I uh, just wanted to call and tell you how much I enjoyed the episode on the Black Room with Dr. Gangrene. Always great to hear the doctor in the house. Um, I have not seen the Black Room. I think the only time, the first time I ever heard of it was uh, from Kirk Hammett's uh too much horror business book. I saw the poster, so I didn't really know anything about it. So uh, I'm going to have to track that one down and watch it. Sounds like a real good one. And uh, of course, I have to comment on uh, on Larry's uh, stance on uh, the uh, Bride of Frankenstein. And I got to say, right off the bat, good for him. You know, I mean, that's going against the grain, obviously. But you know what? Hey, I can see where he's coming from. I don't personally agree with it. But, you know, I'm the guy that when I saw Thor Ragnarok, you know, a few months ago, I'm thinking, this is just, there's too much humor in this. It's too silly for what's going on. So I can kind of see somebody coming at, at Bride that way, you know, and so it makes sense. Uh, and, you know, in the canon of, of universal, uh, horror, it's, it's, you know, definitely got some of those kind of out there moments. Uh, as far as Karloff, though, in the monster speaking, I have to say, I tend to agree with Sarah Karloff on that. I think the history time, in my opinion, has, has, has proven Karloff himself wrong. I, I think, uh, I think he was able to, uh, create a lot of pathos with the monster through his, uh, limited speech. 
Uh, you know, I'm not going to argue that, you know, I haven't seen the black room, not saying that's not a better performance. I myself think that the performance in, in the body snatcher is better than either of his, mo- or any of the three of his monster performances. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, so, but, but I, I, I do like the monster spoke. I'll just say that, but I gotta say, I, I love Dr. Gangrene. Always watches YouTube videos and I, I'm totally, I'm totally behind him for having the gumption to, to, to go against the grain in the popular opinion on Bride. So good for you, Larry. Way to go. Uh, again, great, uh, great episode and, uh, looking forward to hearing more. Bye. Chris Franklin from the Supermates podcast. I have a promo for the Supermates podcast. It's an older one when it was being announced that they were joining a new network. I'm still going to play it because I'm a big fan of the Supermates podcast and what Chris and Cindy do over there. And I'm not just saying that because Chris is a friend. I mean, it's, it's a solid show. And he's referring to last week's episode when I had Larry Underwood on to talk about the black room, Larry, AKA Dr. Gang Green, one of the coolest horror hosts you'll ever know. Uh, he is the man. I mean, he does so much work. He's been doing this YouTube series, the fantastic films of Vincent price going through every single Vincent price film appearance. That's insane. And man, just the man is tireless and devoted to what we love here on Monster Kid Radio, this kind of stuff. Anyway, we talked about The Black Room, which solid, solid movie and a, a pretty good episode of Monster Kid Radio, if I do say so myself, mainly because, you know, the guests make the show. Anyway, uh, The Black Room, solid film. And during the conversation, Larry and I talked a little bit about Bride of Frankenstein and Larry isn't a huge fan. Now, we talk a little bit more about that in depth in last week's episode. I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to that to hear what Larry has to say. But you know what? Here's what I appreciate. Larry, anybody really can drop a very, and I'm going to say unpopular opinion. I think Larry's probably in the minority when it comes to uh, not really enjoying Bride of Frankenstein as much as most. That said, the feedback that we got on that was still positive. I love that Monster Kid Radio listeners and Monster Kids overall, it's been my experience anyway, are polite, respectful, and just super cool and interested in hearing dissenting viewpoints. Uh, it's just great. So Chris, thank you for calling in. And Larry, as always, thanks for being part of the show. Um, yeah, you know, and I am working with Chris about getting him on the show in the near future. So hopefully I can make an announcement about that here soon. Now, we also have that email that I mentioned, but we're going to read that at the end of the show, or specifically my wife, Brenda, is going to read that at the end of the show. So that's all happening. You know what? We're going to talk about the movie you'll find out, though. Again, it's with artist Jeremy Lamastis. That's happening right after this. The one, the only... King of Monsters brings you the Demon of the Atomic Age. Boris Karloff as Frankenstein, 1970, carrying on the hideous experiments of his infamous ancestor. In this stone sarcophagus, deep in the bulls of the earth, he buried his creature, his creation. Frankenstein, 1970. In the hell pit of his centuries-old castle, he perverts the terrifying wonders of nuclear science. Let me get you some eyes. 
to unleash a horror beyond all imagination. What kind of dealings do you have with the director of the morgue? Are you interested in corpses? Even the cyclotron concealed in his subterranean vaults cannot complete his foul creation, for which he must have throbbing vital organs transplanted from living beings. Two people are missing, and I want to know why they haven't come back. Mr. Rowe, I imagine, would have us suspect foul play. Chris Karloff as Frankenstein, 1970. Well, Cindy, this is the last box. Supermates has now officially moved into Fire and Water Podcast Headquarters. Where do you want this Starman short box? Put it over by the classic monster DVDs. Be careful. Don't crush my superpowers Batmobile. Calm down, Christopher. Hey, you put the Star Trek DVDs on top of my comic action Wonder Woman invisible plane. Oh, jeez. Well, now we can tell everyone that Supermates can be found exclusively at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Now, if they subscribe via iTunes, they shouldn't notice a change, right? Right. Or if they listen through the main Fire and Water Network feed, no change. They can just find the show's home, show notes, etc. here at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Well, I'm going to go take a dip in the Aquaman-sized swimming pool Rob has, but I am not putting on that mirror costume. It smells fishy. Oh, come on. It'll be fun. Hey, hey, don't trip over that life-size shag standy. thing is disturbingly real. Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast, now a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find us on iTunes or at fireandwaterpodcast.com. See the monsters in their first full-length feature in Technicolor. Oh, hi there. <laughs> I'm Herman Munster. And allow me to present my wife, Louis, and Grandpa, my handsome son, Eddie, and my niece, Marilyn, co-starring... Terry Thomas and Hermione Gingo. We inherit a million dollar estate and a mansion full of homicidal relatives. See Herman Munster in his Dracula challenge some of the world's fastest cars in history's weirdest race. See the Munsters in their first full length feature in Technicolor. Munster, go home. See you at the movies. This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. 
I had this idea that maybe I'd start this portion of Monster Kid Radio with a little song and dance number and say, chillin', let's start dancing. But I, 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 nobody wants to hear me sing. <laughs> Jeremy Lamastis, welcome to Monster Kid Radio, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are going to be talking about a movie by the name of You'll Find Out, which is actually something I really enjoy. And I know a lot of critics don't, but you know what? We talk about the movies we love here, and I love it. And I was so excited that you brought it up when you filled out. I think Didn't you do the survey, the Be a Guest on Monster Kid Radio survey mentioned it? Yes, I did. Oh, man. It's such a fun movie. I really enjoy it. But you know, before we talk about the movie, before we talk about any of this, we're going to talk about you, man. All right. You've been listening to Monster Kid Radio for quite some time. I'm assuming you're a fan of this these movies. Yep. Going way back yep way back my earliest childhood memory actually of seeing a movie was a local channel showed the creature from the black lagoon in 3d one sunday afternoon oh wow oh wow my first 3d movie my first universal monster that started it all <laughs> all right well then we can be friends i think yeah we can definitely be <laughs> Man, yeah. So would that have been what back in the eighties when they were trying to run three D movies on TV? You have to go down to the Seven Eleven to get a three D glasses, something like yes, that. Yes, I went to a, it was called Stop and Go, but yeah, it was basically the same thing. Yeah, it was either late seventies <laughs> or early eighties. Nice. I've never had that experience. I mean, I, I have movies here on Blu-ray now or DVD in the in the red and blue three D, and you've got to wear the glasses, and half the time it works, but. Yeah, I never had the experience uh, watching them on like network TV and having to go down to the store to get the 3D glasses for free or whatever. Yeah, I, but I've I've read all about it and I've always read that it never quite worked out the way they wanted it to, and you always had to set your TV a particular way. But man, what an experience! Your first movie being Creature, that that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so so I'm assuming you're a fan of Creature then, right? I mean, we can keep this friendship going, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he's he's my favorite of the Universal monsters, and that propelled you into watching some of the other Universal Monster movies and that sort of thing? Yeah, whenever I got a chance. I, I remember seeing Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, I think, was the next one I got to see. And then oh, wow. And there I saw them off and on here and there. You know, I was just talking last week with Larry Underwood about The Black Room, about how there are so many movies out there still that, that as monster kids we haven't seen, and we get to have those those first time experiences watching these movies. And man, I'm just trying to imagine yeah. the first one being exposed to from that universal canon being Creature and then Abbott and Costello for just two top-notch films to grab you in and hold you. Yep. Wow. Did you stick with Universal or did you kind of start to branch out eventually? Or? Oh, yeah, I branched out some eventually. I'm, on that same channel, they, they showed a lot of um, different movies and stuff. And I also saw my first Godzilla movie on there. Oh, wow. Because previously I had seen the cartoons of Godzilla, the Hanna-Barbera ones. So. <laughs> So then I saw Godzilla's Revenge, I saw Minion, I'm go, that's not Godzuki. <laughs> Being slightly confused kid at the time. You know, I ought to have a card in the Classic 5 deck. Do you prefer Minion or Godzuki? Pick one or the other. It'd be Minion for me, but... <laughs> yeah, well. So was this a horror-hosted program, or it's just a, a, a show where they just showed no, some... Just, it was just a Sunday afternoon thing. I've heard that there we had a horror host at one time in this town, but I have no memories of him or anything so i don't know you know we need more horror hosts on network tv we really do do you get me tv and can you watch sven yes i get me tv and i watch sven when i can yeah excellent man well something else that i know about you is uh you're an artist yes i am and, and a lot of what you've done seems to have um uh, like a fantasy kind of D D role-playing game fantasy type vibe yeah. is that an accurate description of that 
Yes, that that is my, my biggest artistic influence. Seems to be Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> no, no, nothing wrong with that, man. I, I've I've thrown the dice many a no. time in my day. I, I still do throw dice. <laughs> you know, and if I had more time in the day, I probably would too. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find your artwork online? You've got a Deviant Art page. Yeah, and I also have a Tumblr. Look for Shade of Jeremy. That's it. I was going to say it's SOJ. Is is like SOJ Designs? I think you've got a yeah, website set up. Facebook, my my Facebook page is yeah SOJ okay. Designs. I'll make it's, sure there's links to all this in the show notes too, because cool. I, I think people will dig seeing it. And you know, anytime we can support a fellow monster kid. So, what would it take to get you to draw your version, your interpretation of the Gilman? I'm sure if you look around on Deviant Art, you might find a couple drawings of him. They're not great, but. I have drawn him before. Well, I, I know what I'm going to be doing when I'm recording then. I'm going to hop on over there and try to find it for myself. On there, you will find a, a folder of drawings I did that are kind of a mashup between the Generation 1 Transformers and the Universal Monsters. Um, really? Yeah. What, wow. <laughs> what, what led to that? Like, how, do you, I, how, how does your brain put those two things together? I have no real recollection of how in the world I mashed those two things up together. <laughs> it may have been my friend Travis and I doing some of our weird brainstorming. When we would get together, we would come up with all kinds of strange ideas for stuff. Well, I love it, man. That's, that sounds awesome. I, I know that they've, uh, they being like toy companies and such, have tried to force uh, the Universal Monsters into other franchises. I, I think didn't they do a, a series of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think even there have been some WWE figures where they've yeah. mashed them up with some uh, some Universal Monsters, but I've never heard of anybody doing Transformers on the Monsters. Yeah. I, I love the idea. I can't wait to go check those out, too. Uh, again, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to the DeviantArt page, and I'm sure I'll mention it at the beginning or at the end. Uh, you know, we'll make sure people can see it because – you know, like I said, I want to support you because you've been supporting Monster Kid Radio all, right. all this time. And, and again, I really appreciate it. I, I've said it before. I want to say it again. Best part of doing Monster Kid Radio is the listeners and the people that interact uh, with each other online and just kind of talking about these movies. So thank you for being part of that experience for me. Well, thank you for having this for me to support. <laughs> well, and thanks for bringing up a really cool movie that we're going to talk about. But first. Yes. The Classic Five. All right. We got to do it. We got to do it. So for listeners who don't know, The Classic Five is a card game that we play here on Monster Kid Radio. I've got a deck of cards here. Just gave it a shuffle. I wanted to make sure Christopher Page could hear that shuffle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got a deck of cards here. Each card has a question, this or that uh, style question, yes or no. What movie do you like better? There are no wrong answers, and it is simply designed to help us learn a little bit more about the guests of Monster Kid Radio. And there are plans to make a version of it available at Monster Bash later this year, so stay tuned for that. But for now, we're going to play with Jeremy. Are you ready to play the Classic Five? Yeah, let's get to it. All right, first card right off the top. Which do you prefer, the Munsters or the Adams Family? Oh, I'm clearly on the Adams Family side. You know, everybody I ask this question of, Goes to the Adams family, and and I like the Adams family, but the monsters has Fred Gwynn, man. Well, yeah, Fred Gwynn is cool. <laughs> I liked him also in Car Fifty Four. I used to watch that all the time over at my grandmother's house. Oh God, I haven't thought of Car Fifty Four in forever. Yeah, they used to run that at Nick at night all the time when I was growing up. Yeah. All right, so the Adams family, right on. I connect with the Adams family. It is a little bit more subversive. A little bit more. I don't know. It's it's fun. I like them both. I like them both. All right, card number two. Oh, it's a hammer question. It's from the red deck. Okay. Not counting the original. 
What is your favorite Hammer Frankenstein film? Oh, hmm. Let's see. Probably Created Woman. That's one I've seen a couple times. I haven't got to see all of the Frankenstein ones yet, but I have seen that one a couple times. <gasps> You've not seen them all? You mean you haven't watched every single Hammer film? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this isn't 1951. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's not downplayed. And like we were saying earlier, plenty of movies out there for you to discover. Still. Frankenstein Created Woman is so, so different compared to the other movies because it's got that kind of <laughs> spiritual soul type stuff going on. Really good. Good film. Good pick. Card number three. Back to the core deck. What is your favorite Ray Harryhausen creation? Hmm. Ray Harryhausen creation. Kind of like some of the stuff in Clash of the Titans, which was the first Ray Harryhausen film I saw. Me too. So, I don't know. Either the Medusa or the Kraken. Oh, the Medusa terrified me. I don't know. Have I told the story on the show where the movie poster gave me nightmares? I haven't heard it. The movie poster gave me nightmares. I, I wanted to see the movie in the theater, and I eventually did. But when I saw the poster, for whatever reason, I'd have nightmares as a kid of the poster like coming to life and the Medusa coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's a good flick, man. And it's some of his best. Too. I mean, it's towards the end, obviously. So, I mean, he's had all yeah. this time gearing up to it. All right, card number four. It's from the Universal deck. Which movie do you prefer? Tarantula or The Deadly Mantis? Deadly Mantis. Really? I like that one, yeah. Where are they? Where are the bodies? Easy. In all the kingdom of the living, there is no more deadly or voracious creature than the praying mantis. You think you'll be able to drive it out to sea? I hope so. Every device of military science, every defensive weapon, radar, planes, rockets, marshaled to destroy a thousand tons of beastly fury. A monster leading a trail of carnage, spreading panic across a continent. Give the alert button. Nothing in its path was safe. Not the planes in the sky. Not the ships at sea. Nor the vehicles on the ground. You boys might just as well go back. There aren't any bodies. And then this most dangerous monster that ever lived challenged the security of our city. I know there are no wrong answers, but this this might be fighting words, man. Yeah, John Agar and Tarantula. Come on. I think it's probably because I've seen the tri- uh, Deadly Man. What, what is this? Eh, John Agar. Eh, no, come on. Now. No, I like John Agar. <laughs> but I've just seen the Deadly Mantis a couple more times than I have Tarantula. It's actually underrated, I feel like. When you look at the science fiction monster movies of the 50s, Deadly Mantis doesn't get enough love. So, okay. All right. No wrong answers. No wrong answers. All right. <laughs> final card. What character from a classic monster movie would you like to hang out with for a day? Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe um, Van Helsing from the Universal Dracula. Huh. Okay. Fascinating conversations. He does seem like a talker. I, yeah. I, I love my Cushing. I love my Peter. Everybody knows I'm on Team Peter. You know, Everybody yeah. knows that. And I love him as Van Helsing. But he's a man of action, Van Helsing. The Universal Van Helsing is a, I don't know, kind of a scholarly kind of... 
he just knows stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, well, there you go. That's the classic five. How do you feel? I feel fine. That was fun. There you go. You pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your prize is to talk about You'll Find Out with me on Monster Kid Radio. I, I hope that, yeah. <laughs> Yay, I win. <laughs> Will you please turn off that radio? Why, lady, that's Kay Kaiser. Students! And Jenny Sims, Harry Babbitt, Ishka Bibble, and all the gang. Something terrible going on in this house. Somebody's trying to murder Janice Bellacrest. Murder? Out is a 1940 film starring Kay Kaiser, and I knew nothing about Kay Kaiser when I first watched this movie. Uh, and it sounds like our experiences coming across this movie kind of line up. We were talking before I started recording about yeah. how you first discovered the film, and, and I said, "Let's hold on, let's talk about it on the show." So, please, how did yeah. you find out about? You'll find out. Um, I picked up this DVD set. I thought at first it was like one of those cheapy ones. It wasn't cheapy ones, but actually it was put out by Warner Brothers called. Karloff and Lugosi Horror Classics. It's got two discs, one with two movies with Boris Karloff and the other one with two movies with Bela Lugosi. And the Bela disc had You'll Find Out in Zombies on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, let's go all comedy on Lugosi's and more serious on Karloff's with The Walking Dead and Frankenstein 1970. It is a weird mix. Yeah. I thought that too when I first picked it up. Uh I also picked up the DVD that way. It was a double set. And I think I grabbed it when the local borders was starting to go out of business and they started selling everything off pretty cheap. And I remember stumbling across it and it was on discount. I was like, okay, I got, I got to grab that. Cause I mean, four movies, you know, Karloff films, Lugosi films. I got to grab it. 
Uh, unfortunately, it looks like that disc is or that collection is now out of print. Yeah. You can buy it on Amazon for ninety five dollars, but yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I got a bargain in it. We've got collectors' items. Is what we've got yeah. now. It is an odd set because, like you said, you've got these two comedic takes, and 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 one of the Lugosi films has Karloff front and center yeah. too. So you've got three Karloff films yeah. really, uh, and, and sharing billing with Lugosi. I know Lugosi doesn't get enough credit for the comedy and the more lighthearted stuff, but darn it, I, I think he can pull it off. Yes, he can. I think he does just fine in a light kind of romp kind of movie. I really like this movie. Did you know who Kay Kaiser was when you first started watching this? No, I didn't. I had no idea, but I found out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the movie really is a Kay Kaiser vehicle. I yeah. mean, it, it's cool. We've got Lugosi, we got Karloff, we have Peter Lorre. We've got these three horror heavyweights, but it's a Kay Kaiser film. And I, I've gone back and I've done a little bit of research about Kay Kaiser and learned a little bit about the man and what he did and who he was. I'm disappointed I didn't know much about him prior to this, and I still haven't gone back to watch any of the other Kay Kaiser films. I keep telling myself I'm going to, and, and darn it, this time I will, because I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. And, and for, for listeners who don't know, Kay Kaiser was a big band leader, uh, 40s, I think, right? Yeah. I mean, late 30s, early 30s. You know, he had a radio show uh, every week. I think it was on a Wednesday night. And it was the, the College of Musical Knowledge. Yeah. Sometimes spelled with K, sometimes spelled with C, depending on what source you look at. I don't know if any of the shows remain, if there are any recordings out there. I, again, it's one of those things I need to go look into. But he was a big hit, him and his band. And he yep. had some some pretty big numbers, some number one songs. And a number of the members of his band would go on and, and have an impact as well. I mean, Ish Kabibble. I mean, yeah. th- these amazing talents who could sing, who could perform, who had charisma. Yeah. And of course, he transitioned into the films, and this is his just his second movie. But he's got command of the screen. I, I feel like, you know, he may have been doing radio this whole time, but he had the mannerisms for film. Yeah, he did. He quite impressed me. I've seen one of his other movies. I can't. I'm blanking on the title right now. There's one where he, he gets offered a movie gig and goes out to Hollywood, brings his mom along with him. Now, in that one, are members of the band? Does he bring the band with him? Yeah, he brings the band. I think Jenny Sims is in it also. Okay. I think he kind of part of the story was him giving up his chances of celebrity so that she could get a shot. Okay, I think part of the key, part of the magic of this movie for me is is the band. I mean, watching the band and and Kay interact yeah. and and working with like Ish and Harry and Jenny. Yeah, just the the back and forth. Yeah, that's part of the fun for me. Now, granted, as a monster kid, yeah, Lugosi's in it. You know, yeah. <laughs> But there's this fun chemistry and back and forth. I, I don't know, listeners, if you've seen any other K. Kaiser films, which ones would you recommend? Or should we just watch them all? Because that's what we do. <laughs> I, I, I do want to watch more of them. Um, but we, we got to talk about Lugosi, Karloff, Laurie. Yeah. To have all three of them in this film at this. Oh, man. Yeah. And this, this is a pretty good time for these guys. Uh, Lugosi is tearing it up on stage. So, you know, he comes back to make this movie after doing a lot of work on the stage and having some success there. Karloff is making movies left and right. I mean, he just wrapped up, I think, what's it, The Ape? One, one of the, the low-budgeters. Yeah. He just wrapped one of those up and like four days later came over and did this. Yeah. Peter Lorre. I mean, yeah. the man. You know, I, I love Lugosi. I love Karloff. But for my money in this one, 
I think Laurie really kind of steals the show. Oh yeah, he definitely he he makes it when he shows up and everything. It's like, why do I have to waste time explaining the obvious to morons or something like that? <laughs> this is the skinny, creepy Peter Lor- Peter Laurie. I mean, I yeah. love Peter Laurie in the later Karloff films with like The Raven and things like that. But this mm-hmm. is that skinny. You don't want to trust him in a room alone, Peter Laurie type. And he just his dialogue, what he yeah. says to Kay, what he says to everybody is just dripping with malice and, and yeah. underhandedness, if that's a word. Yeah. There, there's just this, this sense of danger with him. And of the three, I haven't seen as many Peter Laurie films as I have Lugosi and Karloff, but same here. This to me is kind of like peak, yeah. peak Peter. Yes, it is. <laughs> you don't have a lot of experience with Laurie either? Uh, I've seen a few things with him in it. Of course, I also recognize him from all the parodies in the Looney Tunes as a kid. But you know, <laughs> but yeah, I've, like I've seen the Raven and mm-hmm. I've seen the Invisible Agent. See, that's good too. That's another one of those ones where he's got this kind of yeah. You know, in the later films when he's you know, he's aged a little bit, put on a little bit of weight, having a little bit more fun with it. Yeah, he might be a villain or a bad guy, but you kind of want to hang out with him because he's that cool uncle. You know. Yeah. But but in these earlier films, man, he's got such a sense of menace and malice. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that Peter Laurie had been uh, caricatured quite a bit on the Looney Tunes. I mean, he's got the eyes for it. Just have yeah. you ever have you ever drawn Peter Laurie, speaking of which? Uh no, I don't think I've drawn him. i usually don't do too many celebrity likenesses. I'm not really good at likenesses of real people, but Okay. How many times have you seen this movie? How many times have I seen it? Yeah. Um probably three or four. You know, when I said that critics tend to kind of downplay this one. I keep remembering back to the first Monster Bash I went to and Gregory Mank was there. And he is an amazing author, film historian, has put together some amazing books, uh, one of which I have right here with me, Bailey Lugosi and Boris Karloff, the expanded story of a haunting collaboration. And he's not a fan. Uh, In fact, when I first talked to him, you always try to find something to talk to these celebrities about when you go to a convention or these authors or these guests. And you don't want to be, yeah. you know, I loved you in whatever your biggest movie was. You don't, you, you want to try to come up with something a little bit more unique to talk about. So I yeah. mentioned the book and it's like, you know, and I just watched You'll Find Out. Well, I hadn't gotten to the chapter in which he wrote about You'll Find Out. He does not like that movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's not a fan. And, and I don't understand why. This, this is like a pre-Abbott and Costello um, it's a monster movie. It's got just this zany, wacky energy. Yeah. How would you pitch this movie if you were trying to get somebody to watch it? It's a classic that it's both funny and got the suspenseful moments in it. Karloff, Lugosi, and Laurie, they're playing it pretty straight for the most part. Well, Kaiser and his crew are the ones doing it for laughs. Kind of like with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, where the monsters are played more straight, and Abbott and Costello do all the crazy stuff. There's a a bit of tomfoolery about you know they're trying to you know they're misleading people, they're being they're playing characters, they're they're not really who they are. They are playing it pretty straight, but and they never kind of make fun of it. And Kay Kaiser and crew don't really make fun of it either. I mean, it, it's it's genuine mm-hmm. in its intention there, I think, in trying to bring this horror element you know i look at the other k kaiser films and, and while i haven't seen any of them I, I have looked at their descriptions and read up on them and that sort of thing and none of the others seem to have 
that sense of malice. They all seem to be a little, be, a little bit more screwball. Yeah. So I, I don't know what makes this one work, but I love that kind of pre-Abbott and Costello vibe to this. I mean, it's an old Dark House movie, really, too. You've got this haunted house element, which I love. I love that house. That house is cool. As Kay said, who decorated this place? Robert Ripley? <laughs> which I love. And that's something else that I love about this movie. I feel like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein in those movies. They're great, and they're great without anchoring themselves in the time in which they were made. I mean, one of the things that I love about these movies is they're kind of mini documentaries in a way, right? You can kind of pick up on certain societal things and see things in the background. The K. Kaiser films didn't seem, or at least this one, doesn't seem to be afraid to mention pop culture. Like Robert Ripley. Who's Robert Ripley? Ripley's Believe It or Not. Exactly. Who was a real guy. I mean, this wasn't just a TV series in the 80s starring Jack Blance. Ripley's Believe It or Not, you know, had uh, short films. Yeah. I think there were easily 30, 40, yeah. 50 of them. I think there was a, like a thing in the newspapers in the comics section. Yeah, they had a newspaper column. And it was exactly that. He would go out and find these odd things about the world, interesting things about the world, and bring them to an yeah. American audience. And this house does feel like it's decorated like that. Like yeah. they got all the props from all the little short Robert yeah. Ripley films. <laughs> Put them in one place. An unofficial Robert Ripley museum. Pretty much, which is a house I'd love to live in. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. <laughs> Have you done uh, any research on the movie or, or reading about the movie? Anything? I have a little bit, but I haven't really couldn't find out too much about it. Beyond what, like, how, you didn't find out about you'll find. Yeah, out? I didn't find out. I didn't find out. Enough. <laughs> well, what have you found? Is there anything that uh, we can share? Well, I mean, it was the only time Bela and Lori worked together, and the the two Hungarians. You'd think that for a couple of Hungarians working on a film together, they would have spent some time together. Yeah. But the reading that I've done kind of indicates that they really didn't. Yeah. That uh, Lori and Karloff were kind of distant. Uh, on the film and Lugosi was holding court and was warm and friendly and inviting, which is kind of odd considering Lugosi always in my mind got the short stick when it came to these things. Yeah, He never got paid enough. He always got lower credit billing. If anybody had a right to kind of be grumbly on set, it would be Lugosi. But mm. what I've read, everybody loved him. Yeah. That's what I, the impression I've always gotten too. He does have technically higher billing than Karloff in this film, but Karloff does have the the prestigious and Boris Karloff yeah. at the end of the credit rolls. Yeah. Which, okay. Yeah. Whoop. Excuse me. Forgot to put my phone on silent. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, my ringtone is the creature singer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Turn that off. Uh, and again, doing some reading in that, the Mank book, Karloff was paid significantly more yeah. than either Laurie or Lugosi in this film, which again, man, what a, what a travesty Yeah, for, for the impact Lugosi had. I mean, if you had to pick one, I know it's not the classic five, but if you had to pick one, would you go team Lugosi or team Karloff? I actually would go Lugosi. I've enjoyed a lot more of his movies than I, I mean, I enjoyed all of Karloff's movies, but I, I just get a little bit more out of Lugosi's. What is it about Lugosi? Because it does it for me too. I mean, I, I think maybe as a kid, maybe you could be drawn to Karloff, but what is it about Lugosi that, that pulls you in? Maybe his charisma or something. He's just very personable or something. Easy to like even when you're not supposed to like him. 
Are you saying you liked him in this movie? Like you'd want to hang out with his character in this film? Prince Saliano? Yeah, probably. As long as he doesn't try to get me and rope me into any seances or anything. <laughs> Can we talk about the seance sequences? Sure. They were interesting. Having never been to a seance, <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to expect on these things. And, and not making judgment call about what somebody may or may not believe about the afterlife and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. But every time I see a seance on film, it's always a scam. Yeah. It's always something that somebody has set up trying to fleece somebody or whatever. Yeah. They really pulled out all the stops in this film. I mean, they have the little tent set up in the big ballroom area. They've got all the props. They've got all the trap doors and the secret chambers and and everything else going on. They really were putting on a show. And and you know what? If I could go to a seance, it was like that, that I knew going into it. Okay, I know it's a show. It's an experience. Sign me up. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, that was very elaborate for a seance. Usually you just got someone knocking under the table and maybe doing some voices from outside the room, but... They had musical instruments floating through the air. <laughs> Someone in a glow-in-the-dark mask and stuff. The phosphorus paint, yes. Yes. <laughs> they had the musical instruments floating in the air. They even asked Kay Kaiser and company to play some background music. Yeah. <laughs> Let me add then, if I ever got invited to a seance, there better be a big band back there playing the background music for me. <laughs> yes. I want a big band playing music while I'm having a seance, yes. <laughs> Live band. How does that work? I don't know. Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so should we talk a little bit about the story? I suppose. I mean, it's not a very in-depth, it's, it's an old dark house kind of film. Um, yeah. You've got uh, Miss Bella Court, who is about to come into some serious money. She's turning 21 and her deceased father left her a bunch of money that will become hers when she becomes of age. In the meantime, her aunt is in control of the finances and, Apparently bankrolling uh, Saliano and company. Yep. They, they've scammed her. Uh, and the idea is if we get the young Bella Court out of the way, well, the money can stay with the aunt, which then can therefore stay with Saliano and company. Yeah. There's what, four or five attempts on her life through the entire film? At least, yeah. Even before they go to the house. Yeah, I mean, even before the movie starts, she talks about a couple of accidents that she may have had. Somebody tries to take her out with a set of suicide doors and a drive-by run, you know, hit and run kind of thing. Yeah, uh, which is pretty close to hitting whoever did the stunt there. I thought that was very well done. <laughs> whoever did it, like the stunt. Yeah, there. I mean, she's packing heat. She's got a gun. Yeah, they show that early on. Not, not very Chekhov's gun of them. We, I don't think we ever see a gun go off, do we? No, actually, we don't. And a couple of people talk about having guns, but... Yeah, they they have a couple scenes with guns, but no one ever actually uses them. Closest you get to that is when they try to shoot her with the poison dart with, from the blowgun. I hadn't really thought about that until just now, talking with you. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, Peter Laurie draws a gun. Yeah. I think. Doesn't he at the end? Or is it the judge that yeah, draws a gun? Yeah, whoever. Somebody draws one a gun. Of, yeah, one of the three, or maybe all three of them have guns at one point during the end. Well, I mentioned the seance scenes, and I think some of the seance scenes are my favorite of the film. Do you have a favorite scene or two in the movie? Some of the stuff when they're exploring the the hidden passages in the house, those were pretty fun. I liked that. When Kay and Harry and are following Prince down the tunnels. Prince is the dog that Ishkabibble brings along. Does Prince appear in other movies? I don't think so, no. Oh, that's too bad. I liked Prince. Yeah, he was fun. And Ishkabibble has a very distinct haircut, and 
They, they put a little wig on the dog, didn't they? Did he kind of mimic that? I think so, yeah. <laughs> so you've got Ishkabibble walking around with this bow cut. I think even at one point you see him just briefly kind of trimming it in the mirror, just kind of in the background. But yeah. Prince the dog also has a little bowl cut. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just like last week's movie in the Black Room, he's essential to the plot. Yeah, he is. He's, he's very important. He kind of sort of saves the day. It's great. How he survived, I don't know. I, I yeah. It all happens off screen. So yeah, you have K. Kaiser. You have Chuck, played by Dennis O'Keefe, exploring, kind of following the uh, phosphorescent paint-dipped tail of Prince through the caverns and all that. Yeah. Those are really fun sequences. Again, that has that kind of old dark house kind of vibe. It's got the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein kind of vibe. Those are fun. And funnily enough, our monster men are not in those sequences. But they're still fun. Yeah, they are. Chuck is the manager in the film, and I guess he appears on at least one of the other movies. He's played by Dennis O'Keefe. He's not really part of the band. He's not the band manager in real life. He's an actor. I like Dennis O'Keefe. Yeah. A lot. Uh, One of my favorite movies that I saw last year on the big screen here in Portland was The Leopard Man, and he's the lead in that. I like him a great deal. I think he's charismatic as heck, and I, I don't know if he's done much more in the genre. I know he did a lot, but I'd like to go back and see if he's done much. Do you know much about the guy? Not really, no. I just know him from this and The Leopard Man pretty much. He's great though, right? Yes, he is. Very leading man-like. Yes. He doesn't pull the trigger on what I assume was going to be a proposal. Yeah. Which you kind of, does he even say he's going to propose? I mean, he says he loves her, but he never really pulls the trigger. I guess that's maybe another setup, right? Yeah. I think maybe at the beginning, near the beginning of the movie, he says something about if I was smarter, I'd ask you to marry me or something. Oh, that's right. And she doesn't have enough money for him yet. Yeah. He says somebody doesn't have money. <laughs> so he's just waiting for her to get the trust fund and then, okay, I'm coming in. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he kind of likes her too. I mean, it's not just <laughs> taking advantage. Yeah. There is one moment in the film where he's talking with Janice and there's something I want to tell you. Oh, you know, like she knows that he feels that way about her and, and, and may propose, but, and, and even kind of gives him this kind of opening and he never does. It, it, yeah. it does feel like it's just kind of left hanging there. Yeah. I think their focus was on the other stuff rather than that. So we've got this. I like the seance scenes a lot. This creeping around in the, the old dark house sequences. I really like, and I like the musical numbers. I really do. I I know they're dated. I know they're yeah. kind of corny. I know that Kate Kaiser is a bit much at times, the running around and, and such, and the mugging for the camera, but yeah. there's something magical about it. There really is, and, and I yeah. really enjoyed that quite a bit. Yes, I enjoy his music. I, I even went out and bought a CD set of a bunch of his stuff. Oh, really? I was going to ask you if, if you knew if there's anything out there. I've got a... CD over here of some of this stuff somewhere pile in my pile of CDs. It's like a two disc set with like 50 songs. And some of them are like some of the ones that they do in this. Huh? So. Well, I will have to keep an eye out for that as well and see if I can get my hands on it. You know, because it's a lot of radio uh, from that era, I'm wondering if maybe some of it's in the public domain and I can find it on archive.org. I would love to again, I'd like, I would love to find recordings of the show itself. The show seems to be structured, you know, there's music, there's trivia questions. Um, yeah. 
it looks like there, there's actually prize money for for people who won the show, won the trivia questions, that sort of thing. And they were all musical based, you know. Can you name this song? And well, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. I was shocked that uh, they were playing "Hi Ho Hi Ho" from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Like, did Disney give them permission to do that? That that seems a bit uh, risky. Well, I don't know. It was this was an RKO picture, and RKO was like the early distributor for Disney, so. There is that connection. True. So they might have been able to get permission. I don't know. Interesting to find out. I'd like to learn more about this film. It's such a shame that movies like this don't get as much attention. I mean, I know why the Universal ones do, because they're Universal movies, or the Val Luton films. But yeah. there are so many other Lugosi and Karloff films, and Peter Lorre films, apparently, that don't get the same attention that some of these other movies get. Do you think it's just because they're not the traditional monsters? It's not Dracula and Frankenstein, so meh. Yeah, that and probably because with them being from smaller studios, they didn't get quite as big a release and not as many people got a chance to see them, so. RKO isn't small potatoes, though, man. I mean, they, they're, yeah. the, they're the powerhouse behind King Kong. Yeah. Right? So, hmm. So what else can we say about the movie? It's fun. Go and see it. <laughs> Track it down. <laughs> <laughs> simply put but yeah I, I agree it's fun and i wonder if it's available anywhere else right now i mean that collection that box set don't spend 95 dollars to get two dvds i mean and they're bare bones no. too there's really nothing on the set i mean i think there's one commentary oh yes i take that back there are a couple commentary oh. tracks on here aren't there on the carloff yeah, ones and then, yeah which I think is indicative again. The Karloff films are given more prestige and more attention, which is too mm -hmm. bad. I think the Lugosi films just hold up just as well. I think they're just as good. In fact, I think I've watched them for this more than the other two. I was going to ask you: Have you gone through the other movies in the set? I haven't watched really watched 1970 yet, but I've watched the other, the, all the others, and I usually find myself going back to "You'll Find Out" and "Zombies on Broadway" more than the other. The, Karloff ones. They're just kind of a lark, man. They're just so much fun. Uh, Frankenstein 1970 we did on the show, I think, last year. Uh, I don't think I've talked about The Walking Dead or Zombies on Broadway uh, yet. And Zombies on Broadway is kind of sort of a, I mean, yeah, I guess it's not really a sequel per se, but it's got some elements from White Zombie. It's got some elements from I Walked with a Zombie in there, which is a, a, a weird yeah. kind of blend, but trust me, it's good. Yeah. And then Frankenstein yeah. 1970, of course, is, is awesome i think but of the four i do find myself going back to you'll find out as well I, i've watched it three or four times myself i need to branch out and watch more k kaiser films so uh next week on the k kaiser cast <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's not happening <laughs> it would be a very short long-lived cast but <laughs> you only do like seven or eight movies don't that many movies, but yeah the movie did okay when it came out. Theatrically, it had a decent run. It made some decent money. I mean, clearly it didn't sink K. Kaiser's career. He went on to make several other yeah. films. This is only the second film in his his uh, attempt to make it into the movies. Yeah. And it did well enough. I don't know why it doesn't get the attention. I mean, it's just, it's good. I don't know. I wish he got more attention too, but... So I'm, I'm going to go to that book that I mentioned a second ago, the Lugosi and Karloff book by by Mank. He's got an excerpt from an interview that was done back in 1940 by Alexander Kahn. I'd just like to read this excerpt real quick. Mm -hmm. It's an interview that he did with all three of the, the horror monster types. 
horrible existence you gentlemen must lead, scaring children and old ladies, we ventured. Not at all, said Karloff. It's fine work if you can get it, but very few can do it. In what other field can three men monopolize one branch of a profession? There is no other field like ours. The work is steady, the pay good, and we take certain artistic delight in our portrayals. Isn't that so, gentlemen? Absolutely, answered Lugosi. Our roles are always full of variety, and we have virtually no competition. Ah, said Laurie sadly. But the associations are not always of the highest type. When the names Lugosi, Karloff, or Laurie are mentioned, the immediate mental picture is that of house haunting. A sad thought. I'm tired of haunting houses. I'd like to bite somebody. That's my field, Warren Lugosi. You stick to murder. That's your racket. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's clear that they're having fun. And I know this is a press thing and they're kind of playing it up and that sort of thing. And and I I get that, that there's a certain level of manufacturedness to it. But there's this this fun kind of back and forth. And I think the chemistry between the three monster men here are great. Yes, they do have good chemistry. I would like to go back and try to find, if it exists, a recording or two of the K. Kaiser program that was being done while this movie was in production because they didn't stop the radio show. No. K. Kaiser would leave early on a Wednesday, go shoot the, or not shoot, but record the radio program and then come back the next day to make the movie. And I guess the three of these, you know, the Monster Men appeared on his show to help promote the movie. Ooh, that'd be cool to find out. I, I would, I will, yeah, you, you will, yeah, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There is a, a bit of scripting that is in this book uh, from that episode. So, Karloff says, Professor Kaiser, as representatives of the Horror Men of America Incorporated, we've reached a decision. Kaiser, you have? Lagosi, yes, we've decided that you must join our organization. <laughs> Kaiser, I must join the Horror Men of America, but why? Lori, because you're as horrible as we are. <laughs> Kaiser, I am? Huh, I'm as horrible as you. What? I am? Lugosi says. We think so, Karloff says. And a lot of people feel the same way we do. So, you know, this kind of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're horrible? What? I'm horrible? What? You know, and I can just imagine Kaiser's face kind of mugging as he's doing it. I know it's radio format, so most people can't see him. But if there's yeah. an audience in the room, I just imagine him kind of the back and forth and the, the, Oh, kind of faces that he would make and just securing on. And the three of them would have probably have the straightest faces. Yeah. Especially Lori. I don't think Lori was capable of smiling at this time. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, good stuff, man. I I love this film and I love that more people out there are kind of discovering it and, and learning about it and enjoying it. And I'm hoping people discover it and enjoy it after hearing us talk a little bit about it too. Yeah. Me too. I feel like I've gotten to know you uh, through your Facebook posts and your drawings and your artwork and just kind of talking with you today. When it comes to these types of movies, do you kind of stick within the 40s, 50s, or do you branch out into some of the other eras a little bit more? Like, what's your sweet spot when it comes to classic genre films? Mostly, yeah, it is the 40s type stuff, the 30s and 40s. But I do branch out some into the other areas. So kind of sticking with the Universal era, yeah. maybe a little bit of RKO and you know Val Luton stuff, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's my main area. But yeah, I also I do branch out into the kaiju stuff. I have a fondness for the Godzilla movies, and I've gotten into Gamera recently. The the first run of Gamera, or like the '90s trilogy, or where where are you in the Gamera I journey? Actually, I actually last year got a DVD set that has all the originals and the '90s trilogy in it, and I've been kind of bouncing back and forth in those. 
Right on. The 90s Gamera trilogy, for my money, some of the best kaiju films out there. Just just putting it out there now. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't seen them, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on them. It's good stuff. Yeah, this this era, this 30s, 40s, I mean, I love my Hammer films, you know, yeah. doing 1951 Down Place, which, by the way, the next episode will be coming out here soon. Uh, yeah, you know, I love my Hammer films. I love my Peter Cushing, my Christopher Lee. I love my Kaiju. You know, I, I love my Mexican horror. But there's something about the 30s and 40s, the black and white comfort food of monster movies that just I adore. Yeah. I just can get wrapped up in it. I, I love the other ones. But there's just something about Lugosi and Karloff in them. There really is. Seems to work for me really well. Would you pair this with an Abbott and Costello film or maybe another Karloff or Lugosi film if you were to sit down to watch it? Yeah, I might pair it with, like, maybe, I don't know, Abbott and Costello meet the killers. Seems like it might work well with this one. I was thinking that, too, because it's got kind of that we're all trapped in a house kind of vibe, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And it also has Karloff in it. Well, I mean, everything's made better. <laughs> Yeah. You put Karloff at anything and I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So <laughs> as much as I love Lugosi, you know, I'll say the same thing about mm-hmm. Karloff. Yeah. I, I can see it like a meet the killer kind of. Okay. So let's plan that double feature. What do you think? Sounds good. Somebody get the rights for it. Somebody ran out of theater <laughs> <laughs> and, and make this happen. Cause that'd be a fun, a fun little combination as well. I wish K Kaiser did more in the genre. I would, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Big complaint about the movie that I've stumbled across, and I want to get your take on this. At the end of the film, the bite, the sting is kind of taken out. When Kay Kaiser addresses the audience and says, by the mm. way, you're just watching a movie. Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, Peter Lorre, they're just fine. They're great friends of mine, and they, they survived. They're okay. What's your thought on that? Does that ruin the movie? Does it just fit? I mean, what do you think about it? doesn't really ruin the movie, but it doesn't feel like it really belongs in there. It is kind of a little out of place, but it didn't like ruin the movie for me. But yeah, I could have done without it. It does add a level of, by the way, remember you're watching a movie, you know, kind of, which I, I don't understand why it was done, what the choice was there. I, I think they could have just done the musical number and faded out on that. And if they wanted to have him get zapped by those yeah. energy sphere yeah. pre yeah. pre phantasm things, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they could have just put that in. I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand the reasoning behind it, but it does seem odd. Although I do like him kind of backing into the, the spheres and getting zapped. I do like that. And then the end being written in the lack the electricity. That's another thing about seances. I've never seen a seance where people are locked and in, in held into the room yeah. by these spheres that set things on fire. If you cross them. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. And during the that second seance, when Lori's like setting them up to on either side of Janet, so he can plug them in. <laughs> Like, oh, try and offer that way. <laughs> How are you going to blame? That's All the others are set up as accidents, right? All of them are like, well, oh, the chandelier yeah. might fall, or maybe somebody lost control with their car. How do you explain mm-hmm. that one away? <laughs> I don't know. You're probably just getting desperate at that point. How do we kill her? <laughs> oh, somebody just accidentally put the death sphere right behind her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Why? Yeah. That said, I wouldn't mind a couple of death spheres around the house. I'm just something to be kind of fun. Just, you know. Yeah. Just fun. They don't have to be turned on. Yeah. You know, just... I'll leave them unplugged, but, you know, 
<laughs> Probably a little bit more of a monster kid way to say no solicitors on your front door. Just you know, put those up instead. Yeah. I do like it. Uh, before we wrap up about the movie, any final words or thoughts about You'll Find Out? Nope. This was a fun movie. <laughs> Did you have a favorite song? This one, uh, I don't know. I kind of like the bad humor, man. <laughs> I mean, it gets stuck in your head, right? Yeah, it does. I, I can't I can't shake it. And also, I get stuck with the one where him and Ish are making the jokes. Him and Ish and the other guys are making jokes during the song. Like the really bad puns. Like, what did the short chair cha- say? Big chair. Hi, chair. Or the, uh, what did the bug say about the windshield? Well, that's me all over. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the bad humor man is a lot of fun. It's a little number. And yeah. Yeah, it's stuck in my head now. And, you know, if I could get the right side, play it right now. But the clips are on YouTube. So, listeners... Yeah. Uh, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. So that song gets stuck in your head too as you uh, contemplate whether or not you need to see, you'll find out. Because Jeremy and I like it. And two out of two Monster Kids approve. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever go to any conventions or go to any shows or anything like that, man? Um, Every once in a while. There's a local anime and gaming convention we have every year. It actually is next weekend I'll be at EvilCon. Okay, well, what is it called again? EvilCon. Evansville, we shortened, they shortened it to Evil. That's awesome. Evil Con. Yeah. <laughs> evil. And it's spelled E V I L L E Con.com. And you're going just as a as an attendee? I'm going to be running the game of Castles and Crusades there one night. Oh, cool. Well, you know what? I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that too. That'll be fun. This episode actually will be going out before that weekend. So listeners, if you are in the Evansville area and want to go to an anime convention, check it out. Look for Jeremy. Tell him that you heard him here on Monster Kid Radio. Play the game with him and just have fun. That'll be awesome. And then as far as artwork goes, anything artwork-wise you're working on right now? Just had a publisher put out a book with some of my art in it last year. Um, really? Fantasy. It's a Dungeons & Dragons, like, Supplemental rule book from a third-party publisher. Oh wow! And what what was it called again? Um, Kylor Fantasy, and I think they're they're planning another book, and they want me to do some art for it sometime later on down the line. But I don't know for sure about when that'll be. Okay, so uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah Kylor C A I L O R E dot com. So we can people can find that, and this looks like it takes advantage of like the open game license. That a lot of yeah. that uh, Wizards of the Coast and and them allow to be used in other third party products. Uh, it's not exactly a Dungeons and Dragons thing, but it is. So if you're a gamer and you're interested in checking some of this stuff out, you might come across some of Jeremy's artwork. That's cool, man. I didn't know that you had some uh, material published in these books. That's awesome. I've managed to get a little bit of art published. I, I want to get more eventually, but got to start anyway. That's really cool. Well, congrats, man. I had no idea. That's very neat. Well, we'll make sure there's a link to that as well, as well as, like I said, the DeviantArt page and the Tumblr page. And, of course, you're on Facebook, and you said it's SOJ Designs. What does the S stand for again? SOJ is for Shade of Jeremy. Shade of Jeremy. Thank you. I was thinking studio, but that doesn't sound quite right. Shade of Jeremy. So I'll make sure that's listed as well so people can check that out. I dig it, man. You know, I I used to be a role-playing gamer. Uh, I used to do a lot of that stuff back in the day and whenever i see your artwork it's like man i just mm, i want to grab some dice i want to throw down you know (laughs) yeah tell you what somebody needs to make a universal monstrous flavored role-playing game that's what we need right yes (laughs) 
<laughs> I would love that. So totally map out the old dark house scenario from like, you'll find out or even the old dark house or something like that and, and make that the adventure go through that, that there we go. So listeners, Steve Sullivan, cause I know <laughs> you're the gamer guy. Let's make this happen. Jeremy you can do the artwork and I'll beta test. How about that? Sounds good. Hey, thanks again, man. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I have some websites for you to go to. Shadeofjeremy.com, shadeofjeremy.deviantart.com, and tumblr.com backslash dashboard backslash blog backslash shade of Jeremy. There will be links in the show notes to all of these sites. These are places you're going to find Jeremy's artwork. And also, uh, since I recorded with him, he has since posted on Facebook uh, an image of Tor Johnson as Frankenstein's monster, which. <laughs> <laughs> was brought up a couple of weeks ago here on the show, as well as an image of the creature from the Black Lagoon, because, come on, it's the creature. Jeremy, thank you for being part of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks for all of your support over the years, and thanks for make talking about You'll Find Out Happen here on the show. Pounding across the motion picture screen comes the most terrifying monster of them all, Gamera the Invincible. Gamera, the super monster that even the H-bomb cannot destroy. Gamera, the invincible. Gamera, consuming raw atomic power. Power to destroy entire cities. Open fire! Man's most destructive weapons have no effect on Gamera, the invincible. The mightiest nuclear weapons ever devised are powerless against Gamera, the invincible. Is humanity doomed? Will the world be destroyed? The United Nations is called to emergency session in a last desperate effort to save the world. We have one plan that we think might work. We have discussed Plan Z with the Japanese authorities, and they agree it is the best of our alternative plans. Is that correct, sir? That is so. Plan Z is hope of the world. A cast of thousands at the mercy of the most terrifying monster that ever lived. Brian Donlevy as General Arnold. is beyond comprehension. He must be stopped now. Albert Decker as the Secretary of Defense. Will Plan Z stop Gamera? Gamera, the Invincible. It's 1966. The space race is on. The Cold War is heating up. And giant monsters are destroying Japan. Dai Kaiju Attack. The serialized giant monster story. Presented free every week on DaikaijuAttack.com and SDSullivan.com. Become a member of the Daikaiju Attack group on Facebook. Join the action today. Remember the ghoulish goose pimply gleeful time you had? 
when Abbott and Costello met Frankenstein. Now they're face to face with the king of the killers in the slap-happiest homicide in the history of mystery. This bellboy will commit suicide tonight, and this will be found beside the body. Suicide? I have ways. Bodies? <laughs> the place is loaded with them. And guns. And gals. And gags. And slinky, slithery homicidal suspects. With Abbott and Costello in the middle between the law. And the vengeance of the most ruthless killer of them all. How could you find the bodies in your room? I put them in the elevator. Hi, this is Gregory William Ank, classic horror film historian, author of the newly published book, The Very Witching Time of Night, Dark Alleys of Classic Horror Cinema, and such books as Beta Lugosi and Boris Karloff, The Expanded Story of a Haunting Collaboration. And you are listening to Monster Kid Radio. I want to mention Monster Bash. That's coming up in about three months. Oh, man. It's Mecca. It's ground zero. It is where you want to be if you are a monster kid. The third week of July. Is it the third week? It's June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th in Mars, Pennsylvania at the Doubletree Monster Bash. Victoria Price is going to be there. Brandy Gorsey, who is the daughter of one of the original Bowery Boys, is going to be there. I'm going to be there and that is wow I, I cannot wait so I recorded with Ron about Monster Bash like I said earlier today as of this recording and I'm actually recording this right now at 9.53pm Wednesday night uh, Pacific Time and I recorded with him this morning and he's excited about Monster Bash I'm excited about it I'm going to be there. I plan on getting in Thursday afternoon slash evening, depending on what I can do for airfare, which is the next thing I'm going to do once I upload this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Let's get that taken care of. And, you know, it's just going to be a good time. I'm going to be there for all three days of the convention. And we keep saying three, but really, Thursday night, things kind of kick off because they start showing movies. So if you are in the area, I would love to meet you. Monster Kid Radio's presence will be right there, up front, right next to registration. You will not be able to miss me, and I don't want to miss you. So please swing by, say hi. I'll have my gear. We'll be recording a little bit. I'll have my video camera because eventually I'll have the YouTube channel up and running. I'm going to have a deck of the Classic Five. I would love to play the Classic Five with you. I'd love to have you sit down and we just chat about Monster Bash, talk about favorite monster movies, talk about your experiences at the show or just chat in general it'll be a blast i can't wait man i can't wait and speaking of monster bash and ron adams because i was talking about frankenstein movies with him i thought i'd pose to him a question that we're going to use in this week's installment of Monster Kid Radio's 200 Years of Frankenstein. Of the, the Universal films, not counting the original, you know, the first one, what's your favorite of that series? Oh, okay, not counting the original, which is my favorite, um, of the 31. Uh, my favorite outside of it, there's two, but for different reasons. Uh, Frankenstein, okay. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, the first 20 minutes 
of that film with the graveyard scene and the wolfman coming back and uh oh, so creepy it is just uh, that the, that is some of the most perfect universal horror footage ever and i love it but for a whole movie it's probably house of frankenstein and the reason that it's not bride or not son which most people probably would select i love house of frankenstein not just because all the monsters are in it but it's a great movie to get some young kid that has never been involved in Universal Monsters, doesn't really, just only peripheral knows about them, and it'll engage a young person because it's nonstop. It moves, it's fun, and it's a great way to introduce young people into Universal Monsters. And that's why I love House of Frankenstein huh. so much. Interesting. See, I, my, my first... I mean, I known about I had known about them growing up because I read about them in books and that sort of thing. But the first one I actually saw was the last Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and I would have thought that would be the one to. Yeah, that, uh, I mean that's what got me. Yeah, in, but, but you know, I, I, I it, it's uh, it is absolute, and me too. I saw that. That might be the first Frankenstein film I ever saw, and but I don't, I don't see it as a pathway necessarily as House Frankenstein is to the other Universal horrors because it's more of a lighter comedy and it is engaging and oh, it is nonstop okay. and it's probably the best well it is the best comedy horror film ever uh, but I just I like House of Frankenstein just because it's a good way to get kids into to want to watch more horror movies um, and that that's why I mean I just always found that a good way to get kids into wanting to see more universal horror movies and of course, we got Karloff back in the fold. So I mean, that always helps. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey. There's nothing like the scene at the beginning where he's in the uh, jail cell, and you look at all that chalk on the wall, and it's like it is just the craziest stuff you ever see. You know, like dotted lines going from a human brain to a dog. It's it's just, it's just great stuff. I love it. I love it. Uh, that's a great. I feel like we're playing the classic five again. It's a great pick. <laughs> Oh, no, House of Frankenstein solid. Like I said, Batman Costello's was the first one I watched, but I could see that. And and of the two House movies, I think I prefer House of Frankenstein anyway. Yeah, you know, and and a lot of people trash House of Dracula. You know, it's definitely a lesser film, but, you know, taken on its own, it's still fun to watch. And, you know, it's, and Larry, get, sure. Larry gets cured. We So so we think. But, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it has some great little scenes in it. The, the cave... You know, at the bottom of the cliffs, there's some great little scenes in it. But, you know, it is a much lesser film than House of Frankenstein. But I, taken it on its own, I, I really love it, too. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's more Carradine action, which, you know, you, you can't get enough John Carradine. So. Yeah, yeah. There's still time for you to vote in this year's Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. Head over to RondoAward.com or follow the link in the show notes and you'll be able to see a ballot for this year's Rondo Awards. It's the 16th annual Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards and it's a stacked ballot. You can vote for your favorite movie, favorite classic DVD or Blu-ray release, your favorite collection, the movie collection that is, favorite restoration or upgrade of an existing movie, favorite DVD extras, commentary tracks, independent films, short films, documentaries, books, podcasts, websites, magazines. <gasps> There's a lot. <laughs> so much here. And specifically, I want to give a huge shout out to the Rondo Award 
folks. I know David Colton is the driving force behind this, and what he does every year is just nothing short but monstrously awesome. There are so many people that I know personally on the ballot, so many magazines and books and and filmmakers and, and podcasters that I interact with or I'm aware of or fans of on the ballot. Monster Kid Radio has won a Rondo Award in the past. Uh, we did take home the Rondo for Best Multimedia Horror Site a few years ago, and that was a real honor. Once again, Monster Kid Radio is on the ballot this year for Best Multimedia Horror Site. And I was actually just talking with friend of the show, Steve Turek, the other day, and he referenced something that I said here on the show in the past. I would love to have another Rondo. I really would. I mean, I've got a Rondo now. He's sitting on my bookshelf and he looks awesome and I'm very proud of it. I would love for my Rondo to have a tag team partner. I would love to have another Rondo to put next to him and and, and point at and say, look, you guys and gals did that for me. That said, there are so many great podcasts out there. This came up in the message boards over at the Classic Horror Film Board about how so many podcasts, you know, sometimes they just feel kind of, I don't know. People just sitting around, having a drink, and, and just kind of chatting. And, and in my opinion, that's fine. If that's the kind of podcast you want to produce, good for you, good on you. I'll offer you my support, and I will help promote you if it's something that you want me to help promote. I mean, I, I'm, I'm there for you, man. But there are also podcasts like Monster Kid Radio that have a certain level of production that I lose sleep over. And I know there are other podcasts out there that do even more work on their shows, whether it's networking, getting incredible guests, going to different conventions, landing different interviews, or just having a slick produced sound every single episode. And that's why this year I'm voting for the Kaiju cast for best multimedia horror site. I think Kyle Yount and the gang do an amazing job. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Every time that I'm on the Kaiju cast, and it's been a few times, I learned something about podcasting. I learned something about interacting with people through the microphone. Kyle, man, he has brought his fandom for all things Kaiju to the potosphere in a way that nobody else has. I'm voting for the Kaiju cast this year. I really am. The other category I want to mention is the Monster Kid Hall of Fame category. This is a completely write-in category. Now, here, what they're asking for are a suggestion of up to six names of people who have helped the Monster Kid fandom grow. If you look at this list, it's a solid list of people. Roger Corman, Joe Dante, Basil Gogos, Harry Hausen's in there. Count Gordeval, the horror host, is in there. Bobby Boris Pickett is in here. George Romero, Zachary, Tom Weaver. Just so many amazing people are in here, including Julie Adams and Ben Chapman. But there's a name from the creature, from the Black Lagoon mythos legacy missing, and that is Riku Browning. I'm going to recommend, and I know that's who I'm writing down, Rico Browning from Monster Kid Hall of Fame this year in the Rondo Awards. Again, head over to rondoaward.com to see the ballot and find the directions on how you can enter. It's old school. All you got to do is send an email to T-A-R-A-C-O at AOL.com with your selections. You don't have to vote in every category. Just vote in the ones that you want. Even if it's just the Monster Kid Hall of Fame. No. Horror. No. Horror. Stop it. Horror! <laughs> the ultimate in evil, the absolute in terror from the Shockmasters. Together in the same double shock show, Frankenstein Created Woman and The Mummy Shroud in dripping, dripping color. 
There's an enemy spy at large, an invisible man. It's, it's amazing. Oh, you will be of great help to us. Who is this terrifying phantom commando? What is his amazing mission? See the invisible agent, suggested by H.G. Wells' Invisible Man, starring Ilona Massey and John Hall, with Peter Lorre, Sir Cedric Hardwick, J. Edward Bromberg, Albert Bosserman, in the most amazing story of our times. Stop! Steady now. Don't let him get away. Who is there? How did you know I was going to England? I didn't, but... So the trap was all set, eh? Frank, how can you talk like that? Oh, oh what's this? Uh, it's full of hooks. Uh, oh, they're tearing into me. brings us to the end of this episode of monster kid radio once again thanks to jeremy lamassus for being part of the show this week appreciate having you on board to talk about you'll find out i hope you guys and gals if you haven't seen it yet you're feeling motivated to check it out it's a great film i would really love to hear what you think about the movie and you can do that by calling in and leaving us a voicemail our voicemail line is 503-479-5657 as 503-4795-MKR or you can send us an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com and maybe, maybe I can talk my wife into reading the email on the show like she's about to do right now. That's right. You get out of here. <laughs> you go. Go, go. I'm gone. I can't go too far away. I can still touch you. you and I like it. So <laughs> we have one email and Brenda is joining us again because she's awesome and wants to give herself to me. This got weird. Yeah. We have an email to read. Okay. And I would love for you to read it if you feel up to it. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Actually, I changed my mind. Okay. <laughs> Show's over. We're done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it. Hi, Derek. I just thought... Hi! I... We used to do that all the time <laughs> on our old zombie movie podcast, and you'd read the email, and I'd... Yep. Yep. And it threw you off every time. Yeah. It still does, clearly. So the real reason why I'm so far away from you isn't because I don't want my voice to pick up on your microphone, so that you can't hit me when I do something like that. You know I can still reach you with my foot, right? Yeah. Well, I could just kick you. Okay. All right. Hi, Derek. Hi. <laughs> I just thought I'd drop you a quick line to let you know how sorry I am to hear about the health woes you and Brenda have been experiencing, and to add that it makes the entertainment you both tirelessly provide all the more appreciated. MKR has grown to become a listening mainstay in my life, and especially as I've also gone through some tough times recently, as we all do from time to time. Your show is a much looked forward to weekly bright spot. All I can say is hang in there. What you do is massively enjoyed throughout the world and probably makes more of a difference to other people's lives than you realize. I particularly enjoyed your Dracula's Daughter episode. To my shame, I have still yet to see this, <gasps> but I really want to now. 
and loved Dominique's bad ritual short story. More, please. (laughs) And now a small gift for you. I'm thinking of Jim Moon at the Hypnogorio podcast as the British Derek, and knowing how much you love all things creature, thought you might appreciate his recent episodes on the Gilman. It's an excellently produced show, and he's a hugely knowledgeable and gracious host. Jim has also been incredibly helpful in assisting me with my own upcoming podcast. So please enjoy... Oops. Yes, I I just assume everything's a podcast. Everything's a podcast. (laughs) With your upcoming project. So, please enjoy. (laughs) If and when you ever find the time to listen, and then there are links. Read the links. Read the links. I'm kidding. Don't read the links. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, but it's Hypnogoria. Hypnogoria. And Chronicles of the Creature, part one, two, and three. Okay, there will be links in the show notes. Yes. haven't had a chance to listen to them yet. And this is Alistair. Yep. So, Alistair... uh, the reason I knew that it said project instead of podcast is because I actually edited that little bit of the letter that he sent in, the email he sent in, because I don't know if we're allowed to talk about what the new project is. I know what it is, uh, but I, I didn't want to spill the beans prematurely. No prematurely. Words. Beans held beans. close to the chest or something. Beans held close no to the chest. No spilling of the beans. Because you're holding them against your chest. Yes. As a health remedy. Yes, I read that if you do that for like three hours a day, it cures your diabetes. Uh, mm. No? Hmm. <laughs> the look on your face. Uh, yeah, so the recent health issues, I've mentioned it a couple of times. Diabetes, yeah. no good. You're I've doing got it. so much better. My numbers are consistently... Um, high 100s. High 100s to mid to high 200s right now. High 200s pretty rare. I think at most a low 200. Maybe. I'd have to look at my numbers. and, and Anyway, it's, numbers are coming down. Uh, I had a conversation with my mother about it earlier, and she asked how my numbers were. And I told her my BS was down. <laughs> and, uh, Thank goodness. I've always been good about handling my BS. No. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> and then you with your rheumatoid arthritis and everything else going on. It's, you know, it's it's... Things like this email and things like the podcast uh, that kind of keep me going. So thank you for writing in. Yes. Um, what was the other thing? The hang in there. You know, when he said, when you read that and he wrote that, I immediately flashed to that hang in there poster with the cat. Yeah. But now I want like a monster version of that. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a monster. It wouldn't work because Godzilla's arms are too tiny. Well, I'm not thinking Godzilla. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just, it's little. That would actually be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> The little Godzilla hanging in there. Hang in there. Rawr, skronk. Skronk. Um, so I was thinking like, you know, going sexy with it. Like Simone Simone from Curse of the Cat People. She's a cat person. Oh. Cat, you know. But, you know, Kaiju trumps a lot of that. So. You could make that t-shirt. Oh, copyright? No, the hesitation was the, the light bulbs and the sparks firing in my brain. Huh. Because this is something you and I have talked about. I need to come up with some new designs for Monster Bash and, and for myself and and stuff. I wonder if there's a way to do something like that. Yeah. My artistic skills aren't as high as, say, like somebody like Alistair. I mean, I've seen what he's working on. I think you've seen it, too. He's shared some, some uh, samples of it. And it's awesome. But yeah, I, I don't have... Like, I could Photoshop something, but I wonder if I could pull that off. Either way, Maybe. it would be cool. So, I am sorry that Alistair's been going through something yeah. himself. Way to make it not about me, honey. 
it is just part of life. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Ups and downs. And Here's some bullshit about you can only see, you can only appreciate the light if you've been in the dark. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Isn't, like... <sighs> the dark makes the light shine. No. The hanging in there with a the cat. <laughs> so you can see the poster. <laughs> so you can see the poster. Wow. Is it that you can only see the stars in the dark? Keep I watching the skies. I feel like I'm totally murdering this, I don't, like, BS saying. <laughs> but the it has a grain saying. of truth. The blood sugar saying. Yeah, saying. yeah, yeah, totally. That's what I mean. <laughs> you can only poke yourself in the needle in the light. Uh, no? What are you talking I about? I don't know. Uh, Dominique's story, Bad Ritual. Uh, I don't remember what episode it's on, but it's in the archives. Check out monsterkidradio.net and do a search for her name, Dominique Lamsey's, or the name of the story, Bad Ritual. It's a very cool little short story. Dominique is a great writer, and I love that she incorporates her particular brand of monster kidness into what she does. Uh, she is a wonderful craftsperson. As I look at my beautiful wife, I see a beautiful tingler behind her on the, the curtain that uh, Dominique afraid. made. You are framed by the tingler that Dominique made, and she's going to be at Monster Bash with some exclusive items and some other really cool stuff, too. She actually just posted on her Etsy shop that uh, she's now got giant leeches from Attack of the Giant Leeches available for sale. I've seen pictures of them, and I just saw a video of one uh, when I was chatting with Scott Morris, who's been on the show repeatedly. He has one now, too, and he was showing it off and making it dance around and singing to a little number. Yeah. Okay, not quite, but it would have been adorable. I was thinking puppets. Yeah, it, it does look like it could be a yes. puppet. Yeah. And then you could like make it more leechy. And and do a little song and dance number. Well yeah. So also a British Derek. British Derek, is the world ready for more than one of me? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Maybe not. You're, you're not? not. Well what if the other one has an accent? You can't listen to it because accents do it for you. No. Well, British no, isn't really. Right. I guess if it was a also, Scottish dare, it could be a I'm problem. I'm really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thanks for sharing, I guess. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <sighs> Is there anything right. else? I think we've pretty much parsed everything out of this letter, right? Um, Hypnogoria. I'm going to check it out. I haven't had a chance to yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Can never have too much creature in my life. What would happen if British Derek and U.S. Derek talk like we're on the same podcast? It'd be like the War of 1812 all over again. <laughs> I don't know very much about the War of 1812. Well, we saw that BuzzFeed video. You know, they burned down the White House and the president was hiding in people's basements. And <laughs> That's right. And then they played it off to the press like it was a prank. <laughs> <laughs> that the British came over and burned down the White House as a prank <laughs> after eating all the food. Yep. <laughs> and they were so kind, they didn't burn down personal residences. Just the White House. <laughs> well, no, they burned down, like, other buildings. Government buildings. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then the U.S. decided to, like, we, it was just a big prank, and that's why they ran away. <laughs> Laughing. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to the War of 1812 Ha Ha podcast. And, uh, <laughs> yes, that was probably a waste of everybody's time. Nah, it's fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And it's my podcast. So, uh, whatever. Um, anything else you want to talk about before I kick you off and get back to editing? Like what? I don't know. You excited about me leaving for Monster Patch? 
Is that three months from now? Three months. I have difficulty doing everything I need to do when you're gone. Um, you know, feeding and watering and medicating of kitties. You know, there's a little like kitty condos. Can we get like a little, like, is there a place for like, like a wife depository or something? I could put you in for three or four days while I'm gone. And then I'd be so mad at you. <laughs> I'd be so mad. Yeah, but by the time I got back, it'd be, you would be like, you'd get over the mad, the, the stages of grief or whatever. Oh, no. It'd be two years before things got back to normal. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited that you get to go. I'm excited if for that opportunity for you. And I'm going to play lots of video games. <laughs> you don't have to wear pants. You could drink as much coffee as you want. I have the opportunity to not wear pants all the time, and yet I wear pants. <laughs> I hope you're not doing it just because of me. No. <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. I don't want to. I, women, I mean, sometimes I wear boxers in the summer over my underwear because <laughs> it's hot, you know, and they're nice and cool. So this doesn't make you uncomfortable. No, the no. accent talk was. Oh well, I just don't want to put my butt on things and have <laughs> things on my butt with my lady underpants. Oh. <laughs> it's just. Oh man, I miss podcasting with you on the regular. <laughs> I love my wife; she's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad she was part of the show this week, even if the conversation just kind of went all over the place. It, it was fun. So thanks to Brenda for doing that, and uh, thanks to Alistair for writing in. I would love to hear your thoughts. Like I said, you know how to get a hold of us. Or you can head over to monsterkidradio.net and check out everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes. It's right there. You can find links to our everything that we've talked about here on the show. The Rondo Awards, Monster Bash, Jeremy's Art Pages, and our Facebook page and group where you can like the page and join the group. If you haven't already done so, please consider giving us a like. And if you haven't already done so, please consider leaving us a review, an honest review in the iTunes store. The more reviews, the merrier, I think. That's how it works. I do not know what the magic algorithm is when it comes to iTunes reviews or Facebook likes, but I assume the more, the better. Anyway. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being part of the Monster Radio back and forth that we have here. What's coming up next week? Well, we talked a little bit about kaiju. It came up just a touch during the conversation with Jeremy, and I'm feeling all kaiju-y now, so we're going to talk about a kaiju film next week. We're going to be talking with my friend, author Anthony Wendell, about Invasion of the Astro Monster. Now, giant entertainment, giant terror. Monster Zero. Do you see anything? From a planet 50 million miles beyond the stars came a strange message. Lend us your Rodan and Godzilla to fight our Monster Zero. Earth answered. And the most dreaded creatures ever to walk our planet are lifted into outer space. The stage is set for the mightiest battle ever seen by the universe in Monster Zero. Monster Zero is the American release of the movie Invasion of the Astro Monster, uh, which came out in 1965 in Japan. Monster Zero was released in 1970 here in the States. Now, for next week's discussion specifically, Anthony and I are going to talk about Monster Zero. And it's a good one. I mean, anytime you can get some Nick Adams conversation on the show, you can get two thumbs up from me. It's going to be a treat. And then the week after that is when we have the conversation with Ron Adams, where we talk about Monster Bash. 
so you don't want to miss that as well. Keep yourselves locked in at monsterkidradio.net or the monsterkidradionetwork.com and you won't miss a thing. I want to thank the band the Rogue Waves for being part of the show this week for letting us play their song Alhambra. It's from their album Nova 65. You can find the Rogue Waves at theroguewaves.bandcamp.com or you can find them on Facebook. Just look up the Rogue Waves. And of course, as always, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Alhambra. That belongs to the Rogue Waves. You were paying attention when I said that earlier, right? Check out their release, Nova 65, and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name is Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao.